0: spaces that's like my brain too
1: i know right
0: so weird (laughs) um okay two things i have been watching number one is two sentence horror stories on netflix if you're not familiar with the two sentence horror story concept it's exactly what it sounds like it is a horror story in two sentences however these episodes are all different stories and they're like a 20 minute episode based on a two sentence horror story because i recommended it in a, like a group i'm in and then this girl came back a few minutes later and she was like, "Oh, i literally thought you meant it was just going to be like 30 second long episodes of people saying two sentences." And yeah,
1: that's I, that's, okay. I thought it was too and i was like, "Oh, eh, that sounds super boring." But
0: okay. It's pretty good. And then and then If you were maybe thinking that I was some kind of a cool person, let me just squash that immediately by telling you that Tweed and I really enjoy this show called Cruising the Cut on Amazon Prime. And it is about this middle-aged British man who quit his job and bought a longboat. And now he spends his time cruising these historical canals throughout England and it's all this, it's it's so British. It's very British. <laughs> and it's just the dweebiest thing ever but we love it and now I want a long boat.
1: Nice. I'm trying to think, I'm like
0: racking my brain for if
1: I watched anything and I think I, what did we watch? I watched last Saturday, I watched one and a half episodes of the new Unsolved Mysteries. I watched the the 13 minutes episode because I listened to that on the TCO podcast. I listened, I got back into TCO. I haven't been listening to them for a while. Just I was listening to other stuff and I just was like, oh, that one sounds interesting. So I listened to it and I was like, oh, I have to watch this now. So I watched that one. And then there was the French one that was on after after that and I fell asleep. I fell asleep and I have no idea what it was even about. (laughs) So I took like a really long nap.
0: (laughs) That is a really, really good one. You you got to... Uh, they did, they watched it with the dubbed, but yeah. I watched it with the subtitles because I just, I dubbing oh, yeah. I can't it has to be dubbing. the right kind of thing for me to like dubbing. And, uh, oh, it's a really interesting case. It's crazy.
1: I said before, I used to, documentaries were my jam. And now, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old, but I start watching them and just the sound of people talking like that puts me out. <laughs> Like, I am out cold. That's why the ID channel is my friend now at night. I turn that on and I go to sleep.
0: Oh, yeah. So, anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to That's So Original podcast. And we are the podcast that talks to you about original streaming, programming, movies, series. And we are, of course, again talking about Ratchet. Today, we're talking about episode seven The Bucket List. It's here. The Bucket List is here.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have Jack Nicholson or Morgan Freeman in it. So sorry to burst your bubble. It's still fantastic, though. So uh, oh. Actually, probably way better than that movie because that movie was sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is approaching the season finale of American Horror Story Ratched because this is where people start dying. And in true Ryan Murphy style, that's, that's how he does. It's somebody here, somebody there, and then it just starts snowballing towards the end. So hang on. This one is
1: jam-packed. Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. what they're going to do in the next episode. Like, they, and they, they, like, wrapped a lot of stuff up, which, I don't know. I find that annoying. I mean, I know we watched, we both watched The Boys and this last season. They wrapped everything up in this last episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know how they're going to do next season. And I know for sure they're going to next do, like, the next two seasons. And I'm very confused, and I'm very concerned. So,
0: anywho... I hope it's not one of those shows that's like amazing the first few seasons, and then it's like, ugh, what happened? Uh, I guess you haven't looked at what the next episode of Ratchet? What happens?
1: I didn't. I didn't. I didn't look into it at all.
0: I accidentally did, and okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't. Don't ruin it for me. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't even look at what the name
1: of it was. I haven't. I didn't even do that. So okay, I don't remember what the
0: name of it is. So (laughs) so I really fail. I looked at it before the end. All right, it is 1943, and we are in a courthouse, and Hanover is here. This is divorce court, and his wife is giving him what's for. She says he has been neglectful as a husband and father, and he is, of course, making the worst decision ever and acting as his own counsel, I'm assuming, because he is sitting by himself at his little table. He couldn't afford one. He couldn't afford a counsel. I guess they didn't have public defense people back in 1943. Do they even have that in divorce court? I don't even know. I know, Here but I, 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 talk about but I mean, he, I go,
1: he gets into it of why he can't afford it. And we realize he's not a terrible person after all, but, you know, whatevs.
0: Because he says for the last year and a half, he's been helping citizens of Japanese descent who were sent to internment camps. He says these citizens are separated from their families and they show profound psychological distress. And I mean, and that sounds like good work, Dr. Hanover. Actually, at this point, he is Manuel Benaga. The judge is not buying this defense. He says, it seems like you're more concerned about these. And then I put insert kind of racist word that I'm not going to say here, concerned more about these people being separated from their children than you are about being separated from yours. So he grants the divorce and full custody to his now ex-wife. So he and his daughter, whose name is Marisol, have a tearful goodbye in the hallway, and he promises that he will provide for her. Okay, here's the thing. One quick thing. The girl is like, what?
1: Want to say 13,
0: maybe? Ah! no, I'm gonna go nine. Oh no, she's much older than that. I don't think so. I think so because
1: it's 1943, and are what are we now? 1947, 48. Seven. She's gonna come back. There's no way around it. Exactly. They they made. The, why would they introduce this and not bring it back? And then um, then make her like 18, 17,
0: 18. True, I'm just saying she
1: was. I'm just saying
0: it's gonna. I'm come saying back. she's not. It's gonna come back. One month later, and we are at Lenore's house, and this house looks like a jungle. Seriously, it is covered (laughs) in plants. It is the weirdest place. I wonder if it's a real house.
1: I know I have it later because we go back here later, is that Lenore's house is either in Cuba, Florida, California. Where the fuck are we? Because it's it's, very jungly. It's very jungle. Yes, that's
0: exactly what I said. We're at Lenore's jungle house. Anyway, Hanover knocks on the door and she greets him as Dr. Banaga, and he thanks her for letting him meet her son. So we know this is pre all that shit that happened a few episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, oh, um, when I talked to him today, he seemed like he was in a good mood. And Lenore's like, yeah, well, that's probably because he burned the cook today. He, he heated a spoon up on the stove and then put it back in the drawer. And now she has third degree burns. And while she's talking to him, we cut kind of back and forth between Hanover giving Henry the... Classic ink block test. And in the first one, he sees a bleeding clown. I was like, uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I see you, Dandy. I see you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, but the, where does this one come from? Then he sees two severed penises. I'm like, wrong, wrong. That's, that's not I good.
1: think that's just he's a whack job.
0: Yeah, okay. He says, your son is ill. He, duh. She wants to know if he can treat him. And he gives her this speech about how seriously he takes being a doctor. Then he says, all of the violence, all of the joy that Henry takes in hurting others, that's not what's wrong with him. What's wrong with him is somewhere deep inside. And that's what my job would be, to find it, diagnose it, and treat it. And And he says, so in conclusion... I will not treat your son. I will cure him. And I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. that that is a tall order and quite the promise."
1: And Lenore mm-hmm. eats that shit up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of get why, like, she has this huge hatred of him. Like yes. he gave her this big spiel: "I'm going to cure him, but I also cut off all his appendages." Yeah, Sorry we didn't. I mm.
0: <laughs> I ruined his life and yours.
1: Sorry. I don't know, man. I think he's garbage to begin with, so he is. I think he's better off without his limbs. Sorry I say that. That was probably really hurtful to people and I'm sorry, but I'm just saying he's he's creepy.
0: He's a murderer. Or I mean I don't Well yeah, he's a murderer. <laughs> We've determined he killed the gardener. Yeah, we de- we agreed on that. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't need those those arms. No,
1: no. He's he's a danger to himself and others.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So credits,
1: creepy credits. And we are back at Lucia and Huck is back. Yay. Woo! He's been waiting in the hall for Mildred, like a stalker. He's just checking to see how she's doing after what happened at the dance. And she's like, I'm cool. Thanks for asking. He's like, oh yeah, I'm fine too. No problem. Just one thing. When something happens like this, you could have easily been shot as, as Ms. Briggs. It puts things in perspective. He's been thinking that he doesn't really have a life. He doesn't have a sweetheart. And you know what? I'm wondering if I could take you out sometime. And Mildred is touched. You can see it in her face. She's like, oh, this sweet, sweet child. And then immediately, like, he says, oh, you know, I get it. I'm sorry. Never mind. Obviously, you're not. He doesn't say it, but he's like, yeah, I have a burned up face. You probably aren't interested. You
0: could tell that he's so used to rejection that he immediately knew it was coming. And he was like, oh, no, 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 it's totally fine. It's fine. Yeah,
1: I felt so bad for him. But she was so sweet because she's like... I wrote it all down. It's not that I don't find you appealing. You are a real life hero. I'm coming to understand that I might be the kind of woman who enjoys the company of other women if you take my meaning. And I was like, yes, Mildred just came out. You go, Mildred. Woo! And he's like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, can you not tell anyone? That'd be great. And I love Hockey's He's like, I won't breathe a word of it. And she's like, some girl is going to love you in the way you deserve. And he's like, I don't want love. I want purpose. And I have in my notes, oh, he's going to die. I can feel it coming. But he runs away awkwardly. And he's like, don't worry, Mildred. Your secret is safe with me. And I was like, oh, you sweet, sweet summer child. I love him.
0: And you know it is, too. He's not just saying that because Huck is so great. He's so good. Okay. So we are back at Bucket's house with Louise and another bottle of champagne. It's party time again. And... Okay, this line was so great. So good. Bucket says, I thought you were some blousy alcoholic jazz baby. Turns out you're a prize-winning truffle pig. And for some reason, Louise takes that as a compliment. She's like, yeah.
1: I know, I I have, um, thank you,
0: I guess. (laughs) And so we see flashes of Louise searching Mildred's room while everybody was at the dance. So we know that's what Bucket's talking about. All of Milcher's stuff is laid out on Bucket's coffee table. There's just papers and a, a little phone book and newspaper clippings of the murders of the priests. And now we see Louise looking under her bed where she finds a recorder. And Louise says, oh, God, this is so funny. It's so Mildred good.
1: No-
0: <laughs> Mildred knows how to turn it on, but she isn't so good at turning it off. It recorded a very informative exchange with a certain gentleman. And Bucket says, I have no interest in listening to Mildred Ratchet fornicate. And I was dead. And Louise was like, no, no, it's not like that. It's a priest. Oh. I loved
1: it earlier. I, I had to write it down because... Louise says, "I was rooting through her things like a junkie sniffing around for smack. <laughs> By the way, that pimento loaf you gave me was divine. I need the recipe." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> keep it real, Louise, keep it real."
0: She is so random. Oh god, the two of them. <laughs>
1: what well, and I was like, "Okay, Mildred, you are the smartest person in the room always. Why would you keep all this shit? Why Thank do you, you
0: Why do you have what all the, the newspaper hell? clippings?"
1: I was like, "Are you making some kind of weird scrapbook for Eddie? What mm-hmm. is happening?" Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I don't know why. Here, here's where you killed the
1: priest. Okay, one. Why did she make a recording of her killing the priest, and why did she keep it
0: so that we could have this scene Apparently. with Louise and Bucket? There's there is no other logical reason. Mm. That is was dumb, dumb, dumb.
1: So Mildred arrives home to the hotel wearing this gorgeous yellow coat with a hood. Oh, oh Lord, yes. it's, she's oh gorgeous, gosh. and she finds a Betsy Bucket sitting on her bed. <laughs> Bucket says, don't panic. This isn't what it looks like. And I was like, well, what does it look like, Betsy? Because you're on my bed. I need to know where we're going here.
0: Could, could be a lot of things. But yeah.
1: And she's like, oh, well, the recorder is what it looks like. So she tells her to close the door and sit down and that she thinks that she can help her, but they need to start being honest with each other. And by the way, I listen to the tape and we hear the recording of Mildred confessing that Edmund is her brother. And then that wet smack sound of the lobotomy. Mm-hmm. And Bucket says, hey, you know what? I know what a lobotomy sounds like. That's the hammer on the ice pick. And I was like, oh, shut up. Shut up. It's so gross.
0: <laughs> I said, then she mentions the wet cracking sound. And I just had to say yeah. that for Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: why you <laughs> notice that part's not in my notes.
0: Oh, yeah. Once in my...
1: <laughs> I got you covered. So she says, you know, I, I understand you're trying to save your brother. But performing a lobotomy on a person whose only crime was surviving an encounter with Edmund Tullison, I just don't get it, you know, and... By the way, if I go missing, then another party will take this info to the police. And I was like, Betsy, you are putting your life in Louise's hands. Are you <laughs> nuts? Not gonna do shit. Um, so Mildred starts to cry, which I have that this is such an act. I don't, I don't believe her. But then I don't know. I mean, Mildred is a hard one to figure out sometimes. Oh yeah. She tells her she's tired of all the running and lying, the things she's done. She's done things she just can't believe, but he's my brother. We were treated like animals and he saved my life, so I made a promise to whatever it took to repay him for that kindness. Bucket says, well, we shouldn't put him to death. Someone like Edmund should be studied. Killing him serves no one. Just listening to that recording brought to mind all the suspicions I had about you when you arrived. By the way, I phoned the Office of Army Records. I was wrong. You were in the service. You were a nurse because she didn't believe that she was. But the records didn't mention the manner in which you were discharged. You want to talk about that? It's like, oh, Betsy, I love you. (laughs) Mildred explains that no, she was never a nurse. She had no training. So she lied because she wanted to be a nurse. She was an orphan. She was poor without an education. And she just did it. So she lied and got into the army as a nurse. And she said, all I was guilty of was showing these men mercy when no one else would. So we get a flashback to Mildred in the army after she had asphyxiated all these dudes. And a commander pulls her aside and he says, quite a number of soldiers under your care have died of asphyxiation without any wounds to the throats or lungs. And we're called kind of thinking, that's weird, Mildred. <laughs> and she says, I stand by my treatment plan. I have a sterling reputation. He's like, yeah, your superiors want you court-martialed. I'd taken one look in your eyes and I can tell you're guilty, but they won't be able to prove it. So no court-martial, just get the fuck out of here and makes her leave. And she runs off into the night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just to be you know, she threw
1: herself down somewhere wailing. <laughs> so we get a flash to Mildred is standing in front of a mirror and she's putting on what looks like a nurse's cap. But when the camera pulls away, we see that she's instead working as a waitress in a diner. It's one of those little old-timey waitresses cap thingies. Then all of a sudden, this guy comes running into the where she's a waitress at, and says, "The war is over," and Mildred is just standing there like, "Okay, now what? I have to come up with something. The war is over. What is my next plan?" So we see her, and she's typing up her resume, and this is the one that she gave to Hanover. And he never even bothered to call the state board. He just hired her off of that letter that she made up, all the lies that she made up. So we are seeing that right from when she got fired from the army, she came directly here to Lucia's. I thought maybe there were some years in between. Yeah, me too. Bucket thanks her for her honesty. And she said, I've too heard the screams of very ill people wanting to die. Patients have begged me to kill them, but I never would. That's the difference between us. I'm strong and you're weak. And I was like, oh, Betsy. uh, Yikes. But then you see, you Sarah Paulson, her face, oh, Mm -hmm. you see her entire face change because she's just got a plan. And she's like, yes, you're right, Betsy. You're right. And I was like, oh, you (laughs) sneaky, sneaky little lady. Betsy tells her, you've done terrible things. We've all done stupid things in the service of stupid men. Me with Hanover, you with your brother. I sympathize. And I can't forget how nice you you were to me on the night of the dance. It was a foreign feeling, your kindness. I have a plan for us, for the hospital, but I need you to voucher me.
0: Mm. (laughs) So now we are at a really fancy house. I was like, where are we? I don't know. But Bucket and Mildred are there. And then this very classy looking lady who, according to Wikipedia, is a wealthy benefactor. Yeah, we never get her name. Yeah, never get her name. It's not listed in Wikipedia either or IMDb. Anyway, this woman is telling them a story about her sister and about how she began to hear the voice of demons. And we see this all being acted out. This woman just walking around, just literally screaming her head off. They put her in a cage in a straight jacket. Again, she's screaming bloody murder. They said it would cure her that's how you cure mental illness in the 40s yeah, I guess. Yeah. But of course it did not and they kept her in there until one day she broke out and jumped out of a window and broke her neck. Hold
1: on you missed it.
0: When they get there she says the hospital
1: is very dear to her family and although her family doesn't provide all the funding they are responsible for most of it and hope to continue because when she was little her sister and her visited the hospital and wanted to live there and then When her sister started having disturbing traits, which she was probably schizophrenic or she was bipolar. She was something. She had some kind of disorder when that started happening. That's when the family decided to donate money to this hospital for other people that went through these kind of things.
0: Oh, yeah. I did not catch the beginning of her story. No,
1: that's why they're there is because this family provides almost all of the funding for the hospital, but not quite because they get some state funding. So that's why they are come to see her.
0: So this woman wants to know why they're there. Mildred says it's about Dr. Hanover. Bucket says he has fallen out of favor with the governor, and the hospital is actually going to need its full funding from your foundation because we ain't getting that government money anymore. (laughs) Bucket pulls out a list of grievances against Hanover, and she's like, well, he's a drug abuser. And the lady was like, Okay, no big deal. And she's like, "Is that all?" She's like, like "Yeah, okay." And and so Mildred just busts out, and and she's like, "Well, actually, we have reason to believe that his credentials are forged. His name is Manuel Benaga, and actually, he's a criminal." And Bucket's like, "That's not on the list." And <laughs> I was dying. Oh my god, Betsy. So I guess that's what it took to convince this woman. They decide he needs to be removed but who, who is going to replace him? I just, what is, what's going to happen? And Mildred's like, oh, you know what? Well, lucky for us, Nurse Betsy Bucket right here in the flesh would be perfect. I was like, what a show, ladies. I am loving it. Great job. They get back in the car and Bucket says, I guess I owe you one. And Mildred says, do you mean that? Then make Huck head nurse and bucket says he isn't remotely qualified and mildred says well neither am i remember and (laughs) you know true he's hard working he's trustworthy he will devote his life to the hospital if you give him a chance and i said oh she's giving him a purpose i I know
1: and i'm so glad that we're that i thought for sure he was going to die (laughs) he still might we'll see We are at Hanover's office and I have... He is smoking a joint, question mark, or it's a cigarette. Not clear. I don't know.
0: At this point, who knows?
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, I assume it's Hanover, so anything Mm -hmm. goes. But um, Bucket walks in and he's like, get out of here. I want to be alone. And she slaps a paper down on his desk and she's like, Dr. Hanover, you've been dismissed. I've been named interim head of the hospital. You can remove your belongings, but you must vacate. The police have been made aware of your real identity. And he's like, wait, my identity. <laughs> I, I've been struggling with some drugs, but I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, I know why you changed your name and what you did to that young man. But now the police know as well. They're on their way. So Hanover suddenly got fire in his ass. Oh, I got to get out of here. And she's like, doctor, I did love you. I loved your purpose and calling. I believe in you. And Hanover says, then why did you do this to me? Look at Charlotte. I'm on the precipice of helping so many people. And she's, well, that's why I'm letting you go. And he's like, I treated you poorly, Betsy. You didn't deserve that. And he is out like a shot out the door. He is running. He's out of here. And we see him stop at room number five. And I was like, should we know who's in room number five? Oh, it's Charlotte Wells. So he walks in and he takes her by the arm and starts to escort her out. And she's, she's still not quite there. I mean, she's seen some shit at the dance. Things are bad for Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And she's like, where are we going? And a guard stops him and says, you can't handle patients and you're no longer in charge. All of a sudden Mildred comes out of freaking nowhere and she's like, hey, this patient admitted herself to the hospital and she's free to leave when she chooses. And Mildred just gives Hanover this sweet smile. And she turns to Charlotte and says, do you believe Hanover's treatments helped you? And she says, I believe he's the only one who can help me. Mildred says, well, as head nurse, I'm allowing them both to go. So Hanover tells Mildred, I should have never let you into this hospital. And she comes back, I know the price that's on your head, doctor. And I'm letting you leave. So I say letting me into the hospital was the best decision you ever made. Oh, mic drop. We're back at Lenore's estate. And I said, where does she live? Florida, Cuba, the jungle, question mark. (laughs) And Mildred has called and she tells Lenore that she has some bad news. Uh, Hanover's out of my reach and I can no longer help you. Lenore's like, no, 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 no. I told you I wanted his head on a platter. And that's what we agreed to. You're not holding up your end of the bargain. Mildred says, well, I understand your anger, but if you harm me, I will notify the FBI on your attempts on Hanover's life. Meanwhile, Lenore is just wrapping the phone cord around her hand as hard as she can. I was like, where do you think Henry gets his crazy from, Mildred? Probably not the person you want to mess with. Yep. Lenore says, how dare you betray me? (laughs) Mildred peppa pigs that phone so fast. Like, (laughs) Have you seen that? (laughs) The Peppa Pig with the whistle. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, my Lord. You have to Google it. Okay. You know who who Peppa Pig is, right? Of course I know who Peppa Pig. Okay. I know Peppa. Well, there's an episode. Well, Peppa doesn't know how to whistle. And so she calls her friend. I don't know if it's a bunny or it's a sheep or something. And she says, do you know how to whistle? And she says, no, I don't think so. What's whistling? And she says, well, you put your lips together and blow. And then her friend just whistles immediately. And Peppa hard slams the button on the phone like fuck you you know how to (laughs) whistle it's the best I recommend everybody google it my my
0: kids love Peppa I've probably unwittingly been in the room with that scene but
1: oh my gosh I showed it to my kid the other day because that's my like whenever anybody slams the phone down without a hesitation they Peppa Pig that phone and that's what Mildred does in this scene you're
0: welcome go look it up okay that's gonna be our new thing (laughs) That's the hashtag now. Okay, it's going to go off the rails. Oh, lordy, Real lordy. Quick. Okay. So Hanover and Charlotte pull up to a hotel. They go to the front desk, ask for two rooms. She says that'll be $9. I was like, $9. $9. Yeah. $9. But then I was also like, what? No forms? What kind of hotel is this? <laughs> <laughs> So he gives his name as Randall Davis, and she hands him two keys, end of transaction, as it should be, Louise. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, they stop at a diner, I guess, before they retire for the night to eat some dinner. Charlotte says she doesn't feel well. He says, It's because the meds I gave you are wearing off. You just need to eat. They order, and the waitress says, You know, people like you got to pay in advance. I was like, The fucking 40s, man. Um, mm. So he digs the money out begrudgingly. Um, he gave her a whole dollar. A whole yeah, oh, dollar. A whole dollar. Well, I mean, two rooms for a night at a hotel is nine bucks. So right. I feel like this is kind of an expensive meal, right? Charlotte wants to know what the plan is. He says, okay, here's the plan. We, we got to get to Canada. You can drive. I will hide in the trunk. No biggie. Uh, no,
1: biggie uh, no biggie. Yeah. No
0: biggie. This, is, this all makes sense. just go with it. <laughs> He knows someone who could admit her into his facility or a facility that he works at or runs. I wasn't quite clear on that or maybe I wasn't paying attention again. He works sorry, at a hospital in Vanco- he works at a hospital in Vancouver. Okay, it's been a week. Anyway, and <laughs> he can treat her in secret and once she's cured, he can come out of hiding. So, she's I guess she's like, "Okay, great plan." They get back to Charlotte's room, and he's putting her in the bed and getting her settled in. And when there is knocking at the door, it's the police. And... Oh, God. Um, oh, I have
1: so many words. So many oh, words. It's,
0: oh, it's... okay. this <clears throat> is just awful. For some reason, I was like... Uh, the When he's doing this, I'm like, Hanover, oh, my God, what are you doing? Right. He grabs right. her... And hides her in a closet. And her face... Oh, my God. Ugh. Okay. Sophie Okunito in this scene is... Give this woman Emmys uh, just as many as she can c- yep. can carry. Because... Uh, oh, my God. I'm getting teary just even thinking about her. I am, too. I am, too. She was so fucking good. Okay. So, this police officer... He's just asking, it's like something about, he's looking for a guy driving a Cadillac. Somebody's double He's looking for
1: somebody who's double parked. Right.
0: Um, And Hanover's like, yeah, that's not my car. Like, Hanover could ever drive a Cadillac. And when he leaves, Hanover goes to open the closet door. When he opens the door, Sophie Okonito's face, you're just like, oh, we are in for some shit. She's Undine now. Yeah, out. she's Undine right away because she's because she's calling him shit and garbage and talking talking about mm-hmm. how well, how talented she is. Yeah. yeah, she is pissed. He's like, just tell Charlotte she's safe, and she is screaming at him. And you and you see charlotte try to come through for just mm-hmm. a second and then boom now it's apollo and she's screaming about hitler and she starts beating the crap out of hanover and she grabs something off of the dresser and i was thinking maybe it was a letter opener it's what scissors is it? scissors okay scissors i couldn't quite tell a- anyway she's stabbing him this is blood everywhere blah blah okay now we see charlotte asleep in the bathroom And when they first, I love Ryan Murphy's, just so smart. When you first start on this scene, it's kind of close up on her. And so you're like, okay, did she imagine doing that? Was that actually real? And then it pulls out and you start to see the blood on her dress. And then she's holding her hands and there's blood on her hands. And then you're like, okay, yes, that actually did happen. So she peeks around the bathroom door to see the bed sheets are bloody. And on the floor is a dead Hanover
1: yeah just to be clear if anybody forgot this horrible story of why Charlotte is the way she is is because those white men threw her into a closet for nine days and a cop came to the door and got her out so all that PTSD all this shit Mm
0: -hmm.
1: has come back and the person that protects her her protects her psyche when all this shit goes bad is Ondine so oh
0: freaking fabulous whoever wrote this oh that 30 seconds of her being like undine charlotte apollo that real quick oh my gosh
1: just the they show her in this closet for like five seconds and i broke down because i was like no and my notes say you motherfucker why 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 would you do this to her oh kills me
0: he had it coming really uh, what the he f- wasn't thinking
1: he wasn't no. he was thinking about himself he wasn't yep. he was not being the doctor that she needed and i think he probably could have helped her eventually
0: i do but too
1: He was so wrapped up in his own nonsense and his own panic that he put her at risk. And that's what happened. Gross. So we're back at Lucia and Mildred is walking through when she's told that she has a phone call. And when she picks up the phone, she like immediately says, where are you? Lock the door and stay where you are. I'm on my way. And I was like, how does Charlotte even know where she's at? Because she was out of it when they arrived. How does she even know where she is? So we cut to Mildred in a beautiful great green scarf around her head, knocking on a hotel door and Charlotte lets her in. And she's telling her, I swear, I can't remember. There was someone at the door. He threw me in the closet and I swear, I can't remember what happened. Did I do this? Did I, did I? And I've got, this is, this is breaking my heart. Cause it's so, oh, she's so damn good in this scene. Mildred tells her to listen. It wasn't her fault. You'd never do anything willing to hurt Hanover, but the police aren't going to feel the same way. You don't have much time. Let's get you cleaned up and she brings her clothes, and she takes her to a bus station and gives her a ticket for San Diego that's leaving in five minutes. I'm like, how do buses and shows always leave so conveniently? Like, (laughs) they're always within a few minutes. Never in my life. She tells her, you need to go to San Diego and then cross the border into Mexico on foot. Go to Ensenada. There's a psychiatric hospital there called St. Louis. You'll be safe there for now. P.S. I gave you 50 bucks, which we all know is a lot because $9 gets you to hotel room. Yeah. But if you call me in a few weeks, I might be able to send you a lot more. And Charlotte's like, I don't feel deserving of such kindness. And Mildred says, no worries. I'll take care of Hanover. And I said, oh, she's going to put his head on a platter. Oh, she's going to put a head of his head on a platter. (laughs) And then Charlotte gets on the bus and she's crying and she's gone off into the night. So we're back at the hotel and Mildred is just sitting on the bed looking down at Hanover for a minute. And then she leaves. And then we see her, and it's first thing in the morning, and she's sitting outside a hardware store and waiting to go in the minute they open. And she kind of wanders around the hardware store, and she grabs something, and she walks up and puts it on the counter, and we see that it's a hacksaw. What does she say to the the guy that works there? She don't remember. She just says something like, hi, or hi there, or something <laughs> like that. And we're like, oh, if he only knew what you're going to do mm-hmm.
0: with that. Well, he's just looking at her like, what's this woman Beautiful
1: doing? woman. And first thing in the store. morning in the hardware store buying a hacksaw.
0: Okay. We're back at Lenore's house and she is in a white body suit thing. A jumpsuit.
1: It's called a jumpsuit.
0: <sighs> Whatever. I don't. <laughs> I'm wearing scrubs right now. Okay. <laughs> Sharon Stone looks like a million bucks. Oh, Anyways. Always. She says, I did not expect to see you. She says, I did not expect to see you because Mildred is sitting in one of her 5,000 living rooms, I'm assuming, with a hat box. And I can't not make a seven joke i'm not i'm okay i'm not mm. gonna do it okay what's, so she, in the box? what's in the box she puts it on the table i had to do it and slides it over to lenore she has got this shit eating grin on mm-hmm. her face like open it and <laughs> it's, it's gonna be fun so lenore opens it and she is just overcome with emotion and she's like okay now to payment and she hands mildred a check that's already been made out. Yeah, she's sitting on it.
1: She's sitting on that check. Pulls
0: it out and be like, "Here you go. <laughs> Pleasure doing business with you." And Mildred is gone, and Lenore is walking with this box as proud as she can be into Henry's room, and she puts the box on his bed and opens it, you know, just slightly so he can look in, and he's like, "This doesn't." fit fix anything she says I I know but now we can rest knowing that he's paid for what he did and Henry says well what about what you did you're the one who hired him Um, you're the one that gave him 500,000 times the dose of LSD Henry anyway and you kept me cooped up in here hidden because you're ashamed you love your monkey more than you (laughs) love me (laughs) She says, "Oh no, I, no, baby, I love you." And she's laying in his lap and putting it on thick. And he says, "Now you're going to pay for all the things you've done to me." And then one of their servants, the one who was playing chess wrong with mm-hmm. Henry, stabs her in the back with like a garden hoe and pitchfork. Like it's a pitchfork. Oh. oh god, damn it! It's not a hoe. <laughs> What's a hoe then? Oh, a hoe's the hoe thing that looks a... like a little shovel. Yeah, yeah. It's not a <laughs> whatever.
1: You live in the south i feel like you should know that but i don't know i live in the country so you think i live in a goddamn farm i don't know i, I do i mean I- <laughs> oh
0: boy yeah okay oh <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just gonna have a greatest sense of uh, things kelly didn't know what they were from ratchet <laughs> You can't stab somebody with a hoe. I don't know you how could you could too. You, you could, could too. Hack at You them. could take that bladed edge and just bring it down real hard. I mean, granted it's not technically a stab. It's going to take it's More some of a whack. Time. Okay. Okay. Pitchfork. Pitchfork. No, pitchfork. Excuse <laughs> me. I'm sorry. Did did I interrupt your bailing hay or whatever with your pitchfork to record the podcast today?
1: You might have cuz it's one of them days around here
0: Uh, uh, so i was like who's gonna wipe up his shit now is what i need to know and so then he starts crying and i'm like why is everyone in this show so freaking unstable well
1: okay okay because i've got sudden random pitchfork because it just came out of nowhere and then the camera pulls back and they show this butler guy and he and Henry share the weirdest, like, seductive kind of look. I thought they had a thing. I did, too. I think Henry had this plan for some time. But, yeah, Henry's crying into his dead mother's bloody back, and it's so gross. <laughs>
0: it is very gross.
1: Okay. So we are back to the hotel motel Holiday Inn. And a woman is there looking for Mildred.
0: And I said, oh, it's the caseworker from when they were children. Hey, Rosanna. Hey. And this time I recognized her. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, girl. girl.
1: She's got a really bad wig on. I hope that's not a real hair. And She really <laughs> listens <laughs> to this and gets upset. I think, <laughs> I think
0: it's I, a wig. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's a wig.
1: <laughs> and Mildred appears out of nowhere and says, oh, I heard your car pull up. I'm like, you knew what her car sounded like? Like, it's not yeah. a hotel and there's a 100 different cars that pull in and out. But uh. and she says, well, it's been a long time, Millie. And Louise is living for this. She wants all the dirt. <laughs> I love it. And Mildred tells her, up yours, Louise. And I was like, oh, Mildred. So they go, I think they're in, they're not in Mildred's room. They're like in some weird room, like a visitor's room. I yeah, it was, it was like a lounge area. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. They, maybe they have one. I don't know. Maybe that's where the ice machine is, but the ice machine's in the hallways. Uh-huh. So. I don't know. And she's explaining to Mildred, you know, I blame myself for what happened to you and Edmund. I found those people for you. Mildred's, no, you helped us. You are a guardian angel. And she's like, yeah, angels don't make mistakes like that. She's like, I thought that couple would be perfect foster parents when I found out what they did. I wanted to gouge out their eyes myself. This lady, she has brought her own very odd scrapbook of newspaper (laughs) clippings from these murders. Because apparently this is what we do. And Mildred's reading from, she's like, their murder was ruled a justifiable homicide? I didn't know that. And she's like, oh, yeah, it was the state who placed you there. So that was our bad. (laughs) We're we're sorry about that. And she's like, oh, and yeah, Edmund was sent to a home for delinquent boys. And Mildred says, I know, I went there. That's where I saw him. And it says, what, you did what now? What, What were you doing? She's like, well, when I got out of the foster system, I contacted every juvenile facility in the state And no one would tell me if they had Edmund. So I started visiting each one. It took two years, but I finally found him. And they flashback to a much younger Mildred, which it's Sarah Paulson. She looks exactly the same. Standing outside a fence and she sees Edmund, who is obviously like 40 (laughs) in this boy's (laughs) home. I was very confused. She's like, Edmund, hey. And he runs to the fence because he's been smoking with his friends. And he's like, oh, hey, Mildred. And he doesn't seem excited to see her at all. And she says, well, I've been looking everywhere for you. And he's like, yeah, you found me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yay. Just in time, too. I'm getting out next week. And she's like, well, I'll be here. I will. I'll take you with me. I promise. And he says, well, I'd like that. And then the bell rings and the, somebody says, playtime is over. And I said, once again, these guys are 40. They, their playtime is over.
0: He has a paperboy hat on. I mean, he's playing the part the best something, he can.
1: <laughs> something. It was so sad. So Mildred goes back to explain to Anna that she when she went back the next week, Edmund was already gone he had lied to her he had been released the day before and she's like but I left him behind all those years ago so it was payback I guess and Anna finally tells her his mother was named Margaret McGuire before she died of a drug overdose she had been a nun and claimed to be raped by a man named Joseph Sullivan one of the four priests Edmund murdered I know you want to help him, but don't waste your life trying to save someone who can't be saved. And Mildred just breaks down and lays her head in Anna's lap. And I was like,
0: Mildred, you did not do your research before you went helping this guy? How did you not know that? All right, now we are with Gwendolyn and her lavender husband and her ex-husband, I guess, at this point. She is planning to move out east because she's got to get far away from the governor. Because this asshole, she's like, if I try to get another job in politics, he's going to drag my name through the mud. And he would. He totally Mm -hmm. would. Her husband, he's very understanding. He says he will miss her. He's sorry for the things he said when she decided to leave but he was hurt but actually she was right he has met a wonderful man he owes her he will always be there for her he will always love her and then he's like peace gonna be with my new boyfriend i was
1: waiting for like his new boyfriend to be somebody that we'd already met that was horrible i was waiting for him to be like i don't know i don't even know who it, who would be now but i was like oh no it's so and so is like but it wasn't <laughs> I, that, dun, dun, dun. I was i yep. was waiting for it
0: he just gets in his car and drives away and we see that yeah. mildred is parked in hers right behind him
1: they're all a bunch of stalkers on
0: this show yes seriously the show. go go home go to your own house <laughs> Mildred said that she had noticed Gwen checked out of the hotel and she tried to call. Uh, Gwendolyn says, well, I'm moving back to Connecticut to live with my mother. Maybe I can get a job at the Five and Dime. Guilt
1: trip. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and she is clearly pissed that Mildred lied to her about her brother and basically lied about everything. So she's laying that on thick. I'm sorry about everything that has happened to you. Sorry for your bad luck and your shitty life, but that (laughs) does not excuse it. And Mildred is trying to, you know, like hold her face lovingly. And she says, my feelings for you are very real. And Gwen says, I don't think you have any idea what your feelings are because you've been lying for so long. your lies have cost me everything. I mean, she is holding Mm -hmm. nothing back. She is just dragging her over the coals. You waltzed into my heart and I can't get you out. Mildred says, Gwendolyn, I love you. Gwendolyn backs away and she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to that. And I don't believe you. And Mildred says, I want to tell you everything. I know how awful my lying was and how that made you feel. I had no choice. But if I had to do it again, I would. I wish you could let go of the pain I've caused. I love you. P.S. Dr. Hanover is dead. And I was like, wow, this is like a lot to process here. And she keeps
1: grabbing her face. Yes. Every like, I'm like, oh, I... Especially, I'd be so mad, and I'd be like, stop
0: yeah, touching st- me. Yeah, don't touch me. Don't touch Let me. Let me
1: just say what I have to
0: say. Stop touching me. Yes. Gwendolyn's like, uh, you didn't kill him right. And Mildred's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I had nothing to do with it. But anyway, as a result of it, I've actually come into some money, so we can run away together. And Gwendolyn says, nope, that's not going to happen. That's not how my life's going to be. And Mildred's like, oh, yeah, sure. No, it totally can be. Just come with me. And Gwendolyn's just suddenly just says, no, that's not how my life is going to be. Why? And she says, because I had an x-ray yesterday. Doctor found a tumor in her left breast while they were checking to see how her lung was healing. And I don't have long. And Mildred says, hey, look, we've got money. We can find a doctor. Gwendolyn says, nope, there's nothing you can do. But Mildred is like, we will go to the ends of the earth. I will not lose you. I love you. And then she finally lets her grab her face and they kiss.
1: They kiss in the most awkward way. It's it's just a very I don't know, it was a very awkward kiss. Oh, I love this so much. Um, this make this next bit is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to Lenore's jungle home and we see Henry is being fed by a servant while reading the paper and he's demanding that the lady turn to the next page and Henry says, Oh, there it is. And the headline reads, Domestic Servant arrested in murder. And Henry Ooh. says, Fucking Diego. The nerve. <laughs> Told the police I had him kill my mother. Of course they didn't believe him. I loved my mother. I was like, oh, you diabolical little shit. Everyone on this show. So, yeah, they're all just nutty as a fruitcake in the show. But then the lawyer arrives and he's there to read Lenore's will. She says, I will give, well, the lawyer says that Lenore says, I am giving all half of my property and assets to the West Indies. So they must be in the West Indies. Okay. It, to the West Indies Art Foundation for the construction for a museum in Barbados to house the paintings and sculptures I've collected over the years. And already Henry is pissed like fucking half the fortune is going to an art museum. Okay, at least I get half.
0: Hey, can I ask a dumb question? Yeah. Where's the West Indies?
1: Well, Barbados. So that's
0: where, where are these places? Because Mildred just shows up. Like all the time. Like all the time. Okay. I just had to make that up. Okay. Keep going. Cause
1: I don't know. Because geography is the more. I don't know geography. Geography is hard. It is. I, I, I do really, know where
0: you live, Tiffany. I just. it's <laughs> uh, over North there so.
1: of you. North of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, half of the, this, the stuff is going to this museum. And then the other half will go to my monkey Petunia and her continued care. Henry Aww. loses his mother effing in mind and I have never laughed so hard. And at that exact moment, Petunia throws something at him because she's a goddamn baller. <laughs> I said the monkey is thrilled. That monkey's like yay. Yeah. <laughs> then the will continues because that's not all. That's not all. Mm-hmm. That Henry will be transferred to the care of a psychiatric institution and P.S. I revoke all previous wills I have made.
0: Fucking Lenore. Oh. Oh. She had the last word. Oh, she knew
1: he was going to do something to her.
0: Boom. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Petunia
1: is the queen of the castle now.
0: Oh, and she was wearing a cute little dress. I love you, (laughs) Petunia. Call me. Uh, So, now we're back at Lucia. Bucket is addressing the nursing staff. And uh, Bucket in this scene, oh, she is loving this attention she's like i have been named interim head of the hospital until a proper replacement can be found which could take a while (laughs) she's like get used to me bitches nurse ratchet has agreed to stay on and i am promoting huck finnegan to head nurse and he is shocked but he just like stands up a little taller he is Mm -hmm. so proud bucket says it is a new day at this hospital and she is just loving every moment of getting to make this speech one of the nurse trainees chimes in and she's like uh what about doctors do we even have any and i was like (laughs) valid question we've been asking that for quite a while and bucket says honestly who needs them (laughs) oh and then everyone leaves and mildred and huck share a little look and she's like i got you huck i got you i I gave you a purpose you see that i may not have wanted to date you but i gave you a purpose Uh, the end
1: i wish she had like dropped the mic like boom i orchestrated all of this just so you know
0: it's very complex but man it's working out so far
1: so, P.S. guys, we need your input on what you want us to cover next.
0: Yes, what are we going to do? Please let us know.
1: A series was super fun because it didn't mm-hmm. take two hours to watch, well, four hours to watch a movie because you got to watch it twice <laughs> and guess. take notes. Yeah,
0: Series are fun. So if you've got a series out there you're interested in. Maybe one about farming and hand tools and pitch so shorts. that mm-hmm. I can learn what reciprocating saws are. Um, I'm not even going to tell you what that saw that she bought at the hardware store it's is called hacksaw. in my notes. It's a hacksaw. <laughs> not in my notes, Stephanie. Not in my notes. Um, I, <laughs> can, I could learn the difference between pitchforks and hoes. And ma- <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so. See, here's the thing is that I grew up in the city. I live in the country now, but I'm not like on farmland but I still
0: know what a pitchfork is. So I'm just saying I live in the middle of nowhere with farms everywhere and I still don't know. So I I have no excuse. I have a
1: pitchfork in my garage, so uh, I'm just saying I
0: probably do. I probably do. I couldn't tell you what what's out there probably in the shed. I don't I don't really know. On TCO Patrick, he always says I'm pretty I don't know things. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so let us know what we need to do next or we're going to pick and you're just going to like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, so there.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> our podcast, we do what we want, but we'll we'll do it what you want if you tell us that you <laughs> But want. you
1: have to tell us. And you know how that works. You have to. <laughs> we're, not, you have,
0: we're not mind readers. Yeah,
1: you have to reach out yep. to us. Look at all the places mm-hmm. they can reach out to us. Where can they reach out to us?
0: Well, you could find us on Facebook at That's So Original Podcast, on Instagram at That's So Original Podcast, at That's So Pod on Twitter, where I tweeted to Sarah Paulson in desperation for a retweet, and I'm still holding out for it, Sarah. I believe in you. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. You can find us at our website, which is That's So Original Podcast dot com, and our favorite thing of all, you can send us an email at thatsooriginalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify, which is super, super great for getting our name out there. And you can leave us a five-star written review. Gets us out there more than just a five-star review. But we love either one and we love you.
1: Exactly. We want lots of nice reviews. No, just kidding. I don't even care if you hate us. Like, Just let us know you're out there. I kind of, yeah. no, I, I lied because that'll keep me up nights. It'll bother me if somebody <laughs> hates us. It'll bother me a lot.
0: Because, well, who am I kidding? Anxiety is fun. So, you, yeah. You can hate me. I don't <laughs> care. Just don't hate Tiffany. All right. Well, we will talk in your area next time. Woohoo. Bye-bye. Bye.